peace, and love. And welcome to our super duper peachy keen realistic bedtime stories from the Art of Floundering podcast where we try to take an honest look at quote stuff to see if there's any lessons that we can't use to help us get through our current days. Let's do it. From Atlantic City, New Jersey, Paris Island, South Carolina, VFE, Idaho, Norman, Oklahoma, Parts Unknown, Colorado, all points in between, this is the Art of Floundering Podcast. want to wish each and every one of you nothing but peace and love. Welcome everybody to the Art of Floundering Podcast, and we'll be starting shortly with our realistic bedtime stories live. Tonight we're going to be, amongst others, we're going to take a look at the life and career of Carlos Hathcock, former Marine um, sniper. Before we get to that, a couple of housekeeping things. This is streaming on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, as well as Podbeam. You can find copies of this on YouTube, as well as Podbeam, or wherever you get your podcasts. This uh, couple explanations, we do a series called... Um, Countdown to Sue, which is about my spinal injury and recovery. That is not what this is. So if anybody's looking for that type of content, I'm sorry. Uh, This podcast is a lot of different things. Um, I really don't want to talk a lot about my spine. So let's get back to what we're talking about tonight. So first off, I'm going to go ahead and for visuals, for the people that are watching on stream, and it's no big deal. You're not missing anything, but this is a... this is Carlos, and I'm going to read a little bit. I know that's kind of lame, but let me just give you a little bit about who this gentleman is. Carlos Norman Hathcott, born May 1942, passed away February 1999. He was 56 years young. I'm 57. That's humbling. He was a United States Marine. Sniper with a service record of 93 confirmed kills. Hathcock's record and the extraordinary details of the missions he undertook made him a legend with the United States Marine Corps. He was honored by having a rifle named after him, a variant of the M221 dubbed the Springfield Armory M25 White Feather for the nickname White Feather given to Hathcock by the North Vietnamese People's Army of Vietnam. That's a high level. Now, let's let's kind of break some things down. 93 confirmed kills. Now, this isn't American Sniper, right? Chris Kyle's story. This his book, this book was out a long time ago. And they did make a movie about him. Um, he does have, he did have some notoriety, but this guy was the real deal. Uh, was re- in the thick of it. And we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about some of the, his exploits before we get into kind of 
the realistic part of our realistic bedtime story. So that was a high level. So what we're basically talking about is we're talking about a hero. Let's look at his early life. Well, he was born in Little Rock, Arkansas, and he grew up in Wayne, Arkansas. He lived with his grandmother for the first 12 years of his life after his parents separated. While visiting relatives in Mississippi, he took to shooting and hunting at an early age, partly out of necessity to help feed his poor family. He would go into the woods with his dog and pretend to be a soldier and hunt imaginary Japanese soldiers with the old Mauser his father, Carlos Norman Hathcock, brought back from World War II. He hunted at an early age with a twenty-two caliber. Now, before deploying to South Vietnam, Hathcock won shooting championships at Camp Perry Wimbledon Cup in 1966. Hathcock started his deployment in the Vietnam War as a military policeman and later became a sniper after Captain Edward James Lamb pushed the Marines into raising snipers in every platoon. Lamb later recruited Marines who set their own records in sharpshooting. He quickly found Hathcock, who won the Wimbledon Cup, the most prestigious prize for long shooting range at Camp Perry in 1965. And, his, and I'm going to go through a couple of his exploits. So, you know, he's an enlisted Marine. He's over in Vietnam. MP picks up as a sniper and he takes to it. But let's get back to his early life. You know, so often... You know, um, we find that when you read stories about, like, uh, some military, you know, heroes, like Sergeant York is another example, and I did a review of that book, you know, and you look at their upbringings, and it was, you know, this guy grew up in poverty, raised by his grandmother his first 12 years of life, had to, had to hunt for their own food. You know, that's, that's different than what most of us experience now. Okay, different era. So he, he goes, he's in Vietnam. Let's, get, let's go to some of his exploits because, you know, this gets into, you, you know, it's interesting, but, you know, war stories are tough to, to kind of relay if you're not the person telling it. Because I'd much rather hear it from the person, so please forgive me. Um, let's look at the first one. Infiltrating an enemy base. Getting in close with the enemy is always dangerous for any sniper. One mission to take down a high-ranking NVA officer required the sniper to get within arm's reach of some enemy patrols. One of the ways Hathcock saved his Marines was to take on the most dangerous missions himself. This would be one of those missions, crawling two miles to infiltrate a base and kill an NVA general. Instead of making the miles-long trek, into enemy territory on his belly, Hathcock decided to sniper low crawl in on his side to reduce the visibility of his slug trail. He dodged dozens of patrols and, and two sets of twin 51 caliber copter killer machine guns to enter the enemy base. 
I was in her backyard because I didn't expect a one-man attack, he says. I knew the first time they came lollygagging by me that I had made it. I thought to myself, this'll be good. This'll be real good. He set up on a hill, close to a tree line, 700 yards from where his target would be. After ensuring his escape route was in place, he took his shot. Instead of running for the sniper, the soldiers on the base made cover, uh, made for the cover of the trees, allowing Hathcock to escape. And that's just one story of his exploits. There's so many more. I highly recommend if, if, if uh, the the career of uh, Carlos Hathcock is of interest to you to read this book. I don't want to get into you know each operation. Once again, this is better told from the author and stuff like this. Not me being lazy, but I'd much rather focus on this story. <clears throat> okay. Now, on September on September sixteenth, nineteen sixty nine. Hathcock's career as a sniper came to a sudden end along Highway 1, north of Landing Zone Badly. When he was riding on, when an armored personnel vehicle he was riding on struck an anti-tank mine, Hathcock pulled seven Marines from the flame and gulf vehicle, suffering severe burns, some third degree to his face, arms, and legs before someone pulled him away and placed him in water because he was unaware of how badly burnt, how badly he'd been burnt. While recovering, Hathcock received the Purple Heart. Nearly 30 years later, he received the Silver Star for his action. Hathcock and the seven Marines he pulled from the vehicle were evacuated by helicopter to the hospital ship USS Repose then to a naval hospital in Tokyo, and ultimately to the Burn Center at Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio. After returning to... This is where it gets interesting. After returning to active duty, Hathcock helped establish the Marine Corps Scout Sniper School. Due to the extreme injuries he suffered in Vietnam, he was in nearly constant pain, but continued to dedicate himself to teaching snipers in 1975 Hathcock's health began to deteriorate and he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis he stayed with the Marine Corps but his health continued to decline just 55 days short of the 20 years that would have made him eligible for regular retirement pay he received a permanent disability separation. Being medically discharged, he received 100% disability pay. He would have received only 50% of his final pay after he retired from 20 years. Still, Hathcock felt in a state of depression when he was forced out of the Marines because he felt as if the service had kicked him out. See, he didn't want out. He didn't care about the money. He loved the Corps. If you look at this gentleman's background, this was his family. You know, this was, you know, he was in poverty, joined right, you know, at 18. And this was, you know, I know Vietnam and everybody's got different opinions. But he took to it and he didn't want to go. And so, you know, he had a case, okay? So, he... um. 
He fell into a state of depression because he felt he was uh, kicked out. During this depression, his wife, Joe, nearly left him but decided to stay. Hathcock eventually picked up the hobby of shark fishing, which helped him overcome his depression. So, like everything, it's a story to me, and I remember very early on, not when I was in the Marines, but my private sector career. And and this was in government servers, and a guy telling me, he goes, man, look around you. Nobody ever retires on top of their game. It's never really a choice. They're kind of pushed out. No matter what they've done, it just seems to be the pattern. And I remember, and I recall thinking, you old burnout, I am not going to let your negative burnout, retired in place attitude affect me. Then over time, I started seeing this. And I'm like, I'm imagining it. It won't happen to me. I'm different. I'm sure Carlos Hathcock felt he was different. Now, the reality is, given everything in totality, the Marine Corps did him a solid. They gave him 100% disability. That means his pay is taken care of. Hathcock wanted to stay in beyond 20. Now, granted, he's got multiple sclerosis. The odds of him being effective, you know, not trying to be a jerk, man, but probably not very good. Still, though, guy spilled blood, did all these things. This is his family. Felt abandoned by his family after everything he did after that career. Later in life, they tried to make it up to him, and he would die later. He would die in what year? Remember, he was 56? He would die in 1999. Hathcock once said that he survived this work because of an ability to get in a bubble, to put himself in a state of utter, complete, absolute concentration, first with his equipment, then his environment, in which every breeze and every leaf meant something, and finally on his quarry. After the war, a friend showed Hathcock a passage written by Ernest Hemingway. Certainly there is no hunting like the hunting of a man, and those who have hunted armed men, uh, sorry, our men long enough and like it never really cared for anything else thereafter. He copied Hemingway's words on a piece of paper. He got that right, Hathcock said. It was the hunt, not the killing. Hathcock said in a book written about his career as a sniper, I like shooting and I, like, and I love hunting, but I never did enjoy killing anybody. It's my job. If I don't get those bastards, they're going to kill a lot of these kids dressed up as Marines. That's the way I look at it. Hathcock's son, Carlos Hathcock III, later enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. He retired from the Marine Corps as a gunnery sergeant. After following his father's footsteps as a shooter and became a member of the Board of Governors of the Marine Corps Distinguished Shooters Association, finally... Hathcock died February 22, 1999, Virginia Beach, Virginia, age 56, from complications resulting from multiple sclerosis. He's buried at Woodland Laws, Woodland Memorial Gardens in Norfolk, Virginia. Semper Fi. But once again, you know, we read about like you, 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 the patent story is another military story. He's another guy. He did all these great things. And he died. Patton died at the end of World War II with a freak accident. But he was well on his way being pushed out. This happened so often, you know. 
pay attention to it, especially you younger folks. This is not cynicism. This is just the way things happen. It's the natural progression of things. You know, the same things I said as a younger person were said about me. You know, look at all these gray hair. These guys retired in place. They moved too slow, afraid of change, and da, da, da. Right? I'm sure the same thing was said about me. And all these rules that I saw happening all around me that I thought would never apply to me, that I was different, applied to me. The same way, I, I mean, I, I'm not angry, I'm not bitter, I got hurt, I was medically retired, it's the breaks, it's the way it is, I'm not angry, but it certainly wasn't my plan. It certainly wasn't the pop and circumstances, all the things I thought, no. It was, thanks for everything, sorry you're hurt, we'll see you around. Now that's not the Marine Corps, you know, but my injury is from my job, and, uh, you know, it's hard, it's hard to take because, um, for whatever reason, that's right, wham, bam, thank you, man, that's what Bart said, that's exactly what happens, and it's not, it's not cynicism to be aware of it, wherever, you know, I'm 57 to put things in context, you know, I noticed, um, uh, some of the younger engineers I was working with were, were more, and I was all for this, they were more loyal to their careers than their organization. In other words, their first responsibility was to be current as engineers, and then they would worry about the company's mission, right? And so the, the loyalties are starting to change, you know? I don't know how much of this we can see. I often think about my daughter, who is now 22, what it must be like to grow up when your only frame of reference is 9-11 and all that follows, banking crisis, housing crisis, COVID, and how much we get along with one another. And then some old fart like me says, hey, man, why aren't you getting with the program, man? This is great. They don't know the things I knew, you know? I had it much easier than somebody that's under 30. I'd like to be able to sit here and tell you it was tougher in my day, but it wasn't. It was much easier. Now, it was not like the 50s where, you know, like when you watch Leave at the Beaver, you know, all that Ward had to do is not fuck up and have a job for life. But I had it pretty easy, you know. Um, I, you know, any, any job I ever got was because of somebody I knew. It wasn't because I was qualified. It was just right place in the right time. You know, and, and, and it's just pure luck, all of it, you know, and some will say, well, you make your own luck. Well, whatever, man, I'm a dipshit. And not that I accomplished much cause I really didn't, but it far exceeded what I thought I'd do. I wanted to be a longshoreman. You know, I just wanted steady employment being a dipshit kid. I was like, I don't care what it is. I have to, I just don't want to get shit. And I don't want to get fired. So what is it that I have to do to, to work that kind of career and follow the safety route? But back to Carlos Hathcock. There's another gentleman, you know, um, uh, bear with me. He wrote uh, David Hackworth, Colonel David Hackworth, wrote a book called About Face. 
another. This is, you don't have to, if anybody follows the Jocko Willink podcast, I highly recommend it if, well, I highly recommend it for two reasons. One is, I find the guy, to be, it's nice because he's apolitical. I don't have to listen to, I hate political dogma. I just want to listen to history. I don't want to hear people link it to this president, that president, liberal, conservative. Just leave me alone with that shit. So he doesn't play that game, which is cool. He's great at, if you're into history, he will, I mean, and it's military history, but military history is fascinating. You don't, and, and, uh, he does really in-depth uh, podcasts with people that have lived through some of this history, Vietnam POWs and stuff like that. And I find that fascinating. But what I find that's really good about his podcast is he'll, he will bring in people. Yes, he is. Jocko is awesome. But he, he will bring in uh, um, uh, Travis Mills who was a staff sergeant, sergeant, was in the Army, he's a triple amputee, quadruple really, technically. I mean, and this guy is a comedian, I mean, this guy's thriving, and he's been through hell. And But you hear these stories, Medal of Honor winners, you know, um, and they're not like, yeah, you got giant, they're real, they're talking about the PTSD, they're talking about the struggles with these horrific injuries that for a guy like me with this spinal injury, okay, that thinks I have it bad, listening to their, but listening to the way these guys got through it and, and, and the willingness to, you know, talk about, he had Jason Redman, for, former, former Navy SEAL, Jason Redman. And Jason Redman had this sign outside of his hospital door, and I'll pra- paraphrase it. Don't come in here feeling sorry for me. I got hurt doing what I love. I have no regrets. And inside this room is positivity where we move forward. And I dig that attitude. And, you know, these guys have come back from horrific injuries and are thriving and not only thrive, they're not douchebags. They're out there trying to help other vets, other people that are injured. A lot to admire about Jocko's podcast and the guests. And yes, I talked about extreme ownership. I talked about that concept. And just, you know, I, I highly recommend Jocko's podcast. It's one. It's been one of the, you know, in these six years I've been in this situation. That has been... Uh, one of the best podcasts out there. And, you know, there's some that'll be like, oh, I don't want to listen to a bunch of military shit. It's not that. It's not. These these stories of the of what these vets have been through and these injuries, man, they are inspiring. And they, you know, um, and I, I need to hear, I don't need to hear, like, toxically positive. Like, oh, and every day was perfect and I didn't fuck up and I wasn't discouraged. They talk about what at least the... Similar stuff that I deal with. The most fascinating thing was uh, the concept of pain. And Travis Mills was talking about, and I didn't realize this, but when, you know, apparently if you lose a limb, your brain's still fucking looking for it. And when it can't find, I'll speak in engineering terms, the return signal, it starts firing up the bullshit. So the pain is worse. 
and you know they were talking to Travis and I've had some people on talk about pain and and he was in one of those situations where they couldn't go any higher there was no more drugs they can give him without killing the guy and there's no doubt the guy's level of pain was you know not that he's suicidal but you are being tortured it is a form of torture you can have a positive attitude but eventually it gets to I don't care who you are it gets to you and uh, he underwent a ketamine coma treatment. He talked about it in on Jocko's podcast. And it blew my mind the way he described it because I've had to do ketamine for pain, but not what he described. And he is one of the early, quote, pioneers. And they put him under a ketamine coma for the way he did, I want to say 20 or 30 days, you know, don't quote me, watch the podcast. But it was an incredible what this guy has had to go through. You know, and and to go through it and to not harbor resentment and all those kind of things. It, it's amazing. It, it's it's an amazing thing. You know, I would have loved to have seen a gentleman like Carlos Hathcock get the opportunity to really share his story because it is a common story. You know, it, it's just we seldom we seldom end things the way we want to. There comes a point in time, and I've wrestled with this, especially lately, where whatever big shot you think you may be in our little ponds that we find ourselves, there comes a point in time, at least for me, when you realize not only are you not a big shit, but you are without a doubt insignificant. You know, there is nothing you can do that's going to get the attention of the man, so to speak. You are one of many, and it's 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 humbling. It's uh, it's a lot of different things, but it's also eye opening. It's also eye opening. So, this was our little realistic bedtime stories. We're gonna be bet. Thank you, dude. We're gonna be back at it. I was supposed to have spine surgery. That's got pushed back till December. I'm going to roll with it. If you want to hear details on that, follow the Countdown to Soon series. I can't, like, do fucking countless episodes on my bullshit. It gets too boring. But we've got three different things we're going to be doing. Um, I am going to be trying to incorporate some history. Like I said, I've got a bad back and a lot of time. This helps me pass the time. Um, A lot of stuff I've been waiting to get into so we're going to get into it i in the past we've talked about george washington benedict arnold ulysses s grant i'm really wanting to do theodore roosevelt because i find the story of him being in the same house when his first wife died he was in the house when his first wife died after giving birth and his mom died on the same day, in the same house. Rocked his fucking world. And Roosevelt was kind of a hippie in a way. What does he do? He books off to Lakota territory. Now it's funny, because when I look at pictures of Roosevelt, he looks like he's wearing costumes, right? It's like, okay, this is a rich guy that went to Brooks Brothers, and but, but you get beneath that, and he was like legit, like living off the land and all these kind of things, but that's how he kind of got his head together, 
was he got away from all the fucking craziness, you know? Roosevelt's a fascinating fucking character, so I'd like to do a couple podcasts on him. I don't know if there's interest, but the more I look into to Roosevelt and the shit he was involved with, the shit that he did, it just it just blows my mind. But the human aspect of Roosevelt, the the... the you, you, you know, the, the tragedy, and we all have tragedy in our life, you know, but, you know, it's such a funny different era when he was vice president, he was so fucking bored, he was thinking about going to night school for law school, it, you know, that when, when I look at history, it just baffles my mind, and always, like, the pre-World War One history is interesting, pre-Civil War period is interesting to me, pre-World War Two is interesting, I, I like the pre-war history because you can kind of see a lot of things that are leading up into that. But moreover, you can see the dramatic changes in our culture after the war. And I often wonder, we, we tend to forget this country was in what's called the endless wars, man. 20 years of this stuff, you know, when all these, quote, tell-all books about oh this this unit did this bad thing and this unit did this bad thing i'm not denying that i am just saying when we have never sent people to this much sustained combat ever in our fucking history and you you know the one like podcasts like jocko and some of these others where people are telling the truth man did, 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 did this, you know, quote, combat shot, the, the stuff that these guys are dealing with, the World War II guys, the Korean, all, every freaking war, they're dealing with it. And we had a lot of guys, and it's just, it's, you know, it's going to, I'm, I'm be curious, culturally, the changes that become of that, what will become of that. So, anyway, this was Realistic Bedtime Stories. I hope you guys enjoyed this, this attempt at a late night thing. Um... Once again, I'm going to start with the morning shows, and I, I, I wish I can have a schedule, my injury kind of, but please like, follow, subscribe, and review. You may not be into the puppets, that's just how I deal with pain, but please do that. I'm going to be trying to, I was going to wait till after the surgery to bring on guests again and stuff like that, but there's a couple I can bring on now, so please, uh, please, please, please like, follow, review. Um, I try to do a variety of topics. The one thing I will avoid and I will always avoid is I will not get into political. And what I mean is I want to talk about current events. I want to talk about, but I am not going to get into this fucking candidate sucks and this because that's just too toxic these days. And it's, it's not me running from it. It's just I'm an apolitical guy. I, I like talking about solutions and, and things like that not like fuck you don't think the way I do so it's a it's a weird world for me you know 57 I, I, I got hurt when I was 51 just when I turned 51 August and I've had six back surgeries bone infection and immobile and stuff like that so I have the first three years of this I didn't watch the news and so I like, you know, from the summer of 2016 to 2019, I was in the hospital. You know, I didn't even watch the news. When I finally did watch the news, I was like, holy cow. Because all the things that have been gradually happening that most people would see, it's like gray hair. You know, I got the jump of like, you know, you talk about culture shock, I'm still living it.
you know, friendships that are ended over political... I, you know, I don't care who anybody votes for. I, 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 when did that become a thing? I just, I, I just don't know. And I, you know... Yes, there are serious issues going on in the world, and I'm not downplaying any of them, but I've never seen one issue in my lifetime get fixed by fucking arguing and refusing to compromise. I just haven't. So um, there's other people that can do a much better job of that than me, but I'll talk about anything, man. So it'll be scatterbrained, try to figure it out. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Podbeam, I I really dig it. I appreciate it. I appreciate the love. Um, I want to say peace and love. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter and all those fucking bullshit. But like I said, a lot of videos on YouTube. And then I post random stuff on Facebook and Instagram. If you like weird art, follow us. Um, With that said, it is time to go to sleep. All is well in the world. One One more thing, sorry. The Artemis rocket. If... This launch really fucking happens. It's on the 27th is the day, I believe. The 27th is the revised day. You know, we're going to try to do a... a, So if you're a a geek into this shit, tune in. Because we're going to try to do a live stream and and talk about space. And all that. And how the aliens are coming down doing experiments. And all that kind of wacko shit. With that said, I want to say peace and love. Thank you guys very much. Um, onward and upwards, time to crash. From Parts Unknown, Colorado, this is Will Dick with the Art of Floundering Podcast. Wishing each and every one of you nothing but peace and love. Thank you. Good night. This concludes another episode from the Art of Floundering Podcast. We hope that you will like, follow, subscribe, and review. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, or wherever you download your super-duper peachy keen favorite podcast. On behalf of the Art of Floundering podcast, I want to wish each and every one of you nothing but peace and love.